Okay, let's kick things off with a little survey. Now, I can't see you, so I'm kind of relying on you to play along and above all else, be honest. Here's the first question. Do you like being praised by others? Stick your hand up if you do. Here's the second question. Every once in a while, do you find yourself doing a good thing, but with an ulterior motive? And then here's the third question. Are you more likely to do an act of kindness if you know that someone is watching you? Now look, I might have misread the audience here, but I'm guessing that probably you answered yes to at least one of those questions. In which case, the passage we're going to be looking at today is going to be highly relevant for each of us. Here's Jesus at his challenging best. Matthew 6, picking it up in verse 1. Watch out. So straight away, Jesus grabs our attention. This is a warning. This is something that Jesus takes incredibly seriously. Therefore, so should we. Jesus says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I'll tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything, will reward you. Okay, so what's Jesus saying here? Well, for starters, let's be clear on what he is not saying. He's not saying, don't do good deeds. He's not saying that. In verse 2, he says, when, not if, but when you give to someone in need. He just assumes that his followers will go out and do good deeds towards others, which I think is important because crazy as it might seem, there are actually a lot of Christians who think that we should be very wary of doing good works. Like, in some way, it undermines the gospel that we're saved by grace and not our works, which, of course, is true. But that doesn't mean we can't still do good works. In fact, later on in the New Testament, James says that if we don't do good works, something is seriously off kilter in our faith. And so Jesus just assumes that, of course, if you follow him, the natural byproduct is that you will do good deeds. And I think the clue is in the name good deeds. They're good. So do them. Second thing Jesus isn't saying is when you do good deeds, you need to be very careful to hide them. Which again, is what a lot of Christians think because they hear Jesus say, don't do your deeds publicly and then put a full stop and end the sentence there. But Jesus doesn't end the sentence there. He adds an all-important clarification. He says, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. Now, 
If Jesus is saying, hey, when you do good deeds, be careful to keep them hidden, then I guess by that logic, it would be true not just of giving to the needy, which we're about to cover, but it would also be true of what Jesus goes on to say in talking about prayer, which <laughs> I guess would bring an end to all our church prayer meetings. Is that what he's saying? Well, at the end of the day, I think it helps to remember that this is a part of a much larger sermon. We're breaking up, looking at it bit by bit, week by week. But imagine you're hearing this all in one go. Rewind one page. Have a listen to what Jesus has just said in chapter 5, verse 16. He says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Why? So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, I suggest the key part of that sentence is that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. That the whole litmus test is whether you do your good deeds so people praise you or praise God. Like, if you're weighing up whether or not to post on social media, because that's often where this comes into sharpest focus, isn't it? The, the, the key is... Whether your desire is to glorify God or just to make yourself look good. So how do I know? How do I know whether or not to tell people, whether to make it public or keep it private? Well, it's simple. Who gets the glory? If it genuinely glorifies God, then it is more than appropriate to broadcast it to the whole world. So Jesus is not saying we should hide all our good deeds and he's certainly not telling us to stop doing them. So what is he saying then? Well, I think the key phrase is to be admired by others. Could be translated in order to be seen or in order to be noticed by other people. In other words, Jesus here is dealing with our motivation. Now, just to be crystal clear, Jesus is interested in our behavior. He really cares about our behavior and desperately wants us to modify it a lot. I mean, Jesus has just given us, hasn't he, six examples of what life looks like in his kingdom. And every single one of those examples is about our behavior. But all that being said, for Jesus, right behavior isn't enough. We need the right heart posture, the right attitude, the right motivation behind it. You see, I think the temptation can be to do the right things, but for a whole host of wrong reasons, can't it? For example, here I am teaching you from the Bible. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, you may beg to differ. I'd humbly suggest that's a good thing, but you have no idea what my motivation is. Of course, you can try and guess, and depending on how cynical you are, you might guess all kinds of negative things, but you can't see into my heart. Could be, because I so love Jesus, and I want others to fall more in love with Jesus, and I want to serve you the best I can in helping you get to know Jesus better and become more like him. That could be my motivation. Or it could be that I'm simply an exhibitionist and just love being in front of a camera. Or perhaps 
I was feeling bored this week and had nothing better to do with my time. Or maybe I'm just doing it for the money. Or it could be that I need the approval of others and I just desperately want to impress you. Now, the reality is my motivations are never 100% pure and there could possibly be a bit of all of that going on. And please, don't judge me. I mean, how many of you are going to go to work tomorrow morning solely out of the desire to selflessly contribute to human flourishing? Probably none of you, so don't judge me. But the question we all need to ask ourselves on a regular basis is, why am I doing this good thing? What is my heart motivation here? And that is what Jesus is dealing with here in Matthew 6. Now just to explain, verse 1 that we've already looked at acts as a bit of a summary statement for this next section of the Sermon on the Mount all the way down to the end of verse 18. And as we're going to see in the weeks to come, Jesus is going to lay out three different practices. Here in this first section, giving to the needy, uh, and then prayer, followed by fasting. And as we're going to see, in each of these different illustrations or examples, he's warning his followers of the danger of religious hypocrisy. The danger of getting into doing all of these things, which are all great, by the way, and Jesus is all for them, but there's a danger of doing them in front of others in order to look good. And so, as we look at each of these things, we must do more of them, but not for the wrong reasons. Now, We'll turn our attention to prayer uh, and to fasting over the next few weeks. But for the rest of our time today, I, I want to focus in on what Jesus says about giving to those in need. As we've already seen, this is something Jesus just assumes we do. He assumes we're giving our money, giving our time, opening our home, offering support, providing care for those in need. In his mind, it's a given. Of course we're doing that. His concern is with the motivation behind it. Now, we've already touched, haven't we, on the wrong motivation. And Jesus elaborates a bit on this in verse 2. He says, when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. Now, I think... It'd be very easy just to latch onto this word hypocrite and think that is the point that Jesus is making. And to be fair, he certainly does have a lot to say about religious hypocrisy elsewhere, but that's not really his focus here in this passage. He's not saying, don't do good deeds to draw attention to yourself because that's hypocritical and hypocrisy is wrong, although that is all true. What he's actually saying is something altogether more profound than that. He's saying, if all you're doing is simply for the approval of other people, then fine. You will get what you want. People will give you a like on your social media page. They might even write a comment. You're amazing. Thank you so much. You are so incredible. But that's all you'll get. And it will be forgotten in a week or two. So Jesus is not down on doing good deeds to get a reward. He just thinks that if the reward you're after is applause 
and accolades from your peers, then you are setting your sights way too low. Which leads to the positive motivation for doing good deeds. Here it is, verse 3. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now remember, Jesus is talking here less about behaviour, more about heart motivation. He's saying, as we follow Jesus, the end goal is to grow and mature into the kind of people who naturally do what he does without even thinking about it, much less thinking much of it. It's a bit like driving a car or riding a bike or speaking your native language. We just do those things, don't we, automatically without even thinking about it. And it's to be the same with good deeds. We don't think anything of them because they're just a natural part of who we are. We hardly notice when we're doing them because it just flows out of our love for God. And when someone compliments us, we're just ever so slightly confused because isn't that just how everyone else is? It's not like we're waiting for the compliment and resenting the fact that it takes so long coming. Like, when will people ever notice the sacrifice I'm making here? No, there's what Bonhoeffer calls a self-forgetfulness. Now, Jesus says, when you get there, then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Just let that sink in. Jesus is saying the right motivation for doing good deeds is to get a reward from your Father in heaven. Which sounds ever so slightly self-seeking, doesn't it? I mean, our culture teaches us to do the right thing because it's the right thing, which is great in theory, but Jesus is a little more realistic than that. He doesn't encourage us to simply do the right thing because it's the right thing, because he knows that is not motivation enough, which is presumably why we want other people to notice. It's like we're born with this desire to be noticed. We come out of the womb literally crying for attention. We grow up needing approval and affirmation. And when children don't get that, when they don't get it from their friends, perhaps more importantly from their parents. They grow up looking for in all sorts of other places and it rarely ends well. It's like this relentless treadmill. You run, you tweet, you work, you boast, you accumulate, you show off, but you never ultimately get there. The harder you try, the more insecure you feel. And what Jesus is showing us here is that there can be freedom from that. Now, I think it's important to note that there are similarities and there are differences between Jesus' first century audience and us. I think one of the main differences that strikes me from this passage is that what Jesus' followers were doing for the wrong reasons, we perhaps aren't doing at all. Things like giving to the needy, prayer, fasting. These things were such a part of people's lives that Jesus just assumes they're already doing all of this and he doesn't even have to encourage them to do it. Now, is that our culture? I don't think so, at least not all the time. And I think that does have to come as a challenge to us. 
But there are also some pretty big overlaps and pretty big similarities. Like Jesus is addressing people who are desperate to look good in front of others in order to impress them and be accepted. Does anyone kind of relate to that? Well, let's just take social media as an example. And I'm using this as an example because it's a fairly obvious one. Call me cynical if you like, but more often than not, the reason we take selfies is because we want people to compliment us. And so uh, ignore the caption underneath. What it actually means is, I'm feeling a little down or insecure today, and I need someone to tell me they like me. And the number of likes you get is a way of measuring how much you are valued, which I'll suggest is a slippery slope towards pride, envy, jealousy, and deep insecurity, which is all pretty tragic if you think about it, because as we all know, social media is curating a lie. The image we project to the world isn't who we actually are or how we actually live. It's often who we want people to think we are or who we wish we could be. I mean, in preparation for this talk, for the sake of integrity, I scanned through my own Facebook and Instagram pages and I was left wishing I could have that life because all I ever do is post the good bits. I never tell the world about my arguments with Helen or feeling drained from all the Zoom meetings and craving a bit of space to myself away from people. I don't say how I felt pretty down for most of Monday because I felt like I'd done just a rubbish job of leaving the prayer meeting the previous evening. None of that stuff is on there. Why? Because I want to look good. No, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. The rest of you are just feeling ever so slightly smug right now because you avoid social media for all of those reasons. But perhaps for you it's other things. The clothes you wear, your physique, the car you drive, the coffee you drink, the books on your bookshelf, or it's the jobs you do, the achievements of your kids, and you just subtly drop little snippets into conversation, or leave carefully positioned artifacts in the background of your Zoom screen for other people to notice. Or for some of us, and I want to tread really carefully here, and certainly do not wish to be blasé about the very real pain that many people carry, but I think we can play on the fact that we are victims so as to get the attention of others as well. Of course, it looks different for each of us, but deep down, let's be honest, we all crave affirmation, respect, approval. We all want to be liked. My point is, our culture is obsessed with image. We're more concerned with looking good than being good, with applause and accolades from people rather than attention and approval from God. And it is exhausting. It's like a whole emotional state rises and falls depending on how people view us in the moment, what they are or aren't saying about us. And so 
we end up living into a stereotype dictated by our culture that tells us how to dress, how to think, how to believe, how to act, rather than living into our identity and calling from God. We end up living under the tyranny of the approval or the disapproval of other people, which is just suffocating. We live for a place of fear rather than faith. And the Bible says that the fear of man is a snare, that those who live by the fear of man will die by the fear of man. And so bit by bit, we end up creating our own little hell on earth. One selfie, one comment, one like, one boast, one thing at a time. All that to say, this teaching of Jesus couldn't be more relevant for us, could it? question is, how do we break free? How do we know freedom in our lives? And I know a lot of you are free. I'm not looking to be unfair with my sweeping generalizations here. But some of you aren't free. You feel like you are suffocating. It's like you're imprisoned by what other people think of you. So how do we break free from trying to look good rather than simply living for the reward of our Heavenly Father. Well, one of the many things I love about Jesus is how he so often very quickly moves from the conceptual to the concrete. He effectively says, if that's you, it's very simple. If you want to be free, just go and do a good deed. Give something to someone. Drop some shopping round for your elderly neighbour. Volunteer to help someone. And here's the thing, do it in secret. Don't post it on social media. Don't casually drop it into conversation with others. When you do it, just stop for a moment and think of your heavenly father and try and imagine his face. Imagine him smiling over you. Not earning his love. You already loved as much as an infinite God could ever love you. But just imagine his smile over your life and let that smile be enough. And feel that crushing weight of what others think of you fall off your shoulders. I tell you, freedom comes as we learn to live as if we stand before an audience of one. When we truly, deep down, believe that the only one whose opinion matters is God and that if we're in Christ, we're eternally accepted, esteemed, valued and cherished by him, then we know true freedom. And that's my prayer for you.